The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Should we start the podcast? Kia ora tato, my name is Toby Manhai, this is Gone by Lunchtime. It's a politics podcast on the spinoff.co.nz, produced with the support of Flick Electric. Um, good click of the fingers uh, there by Annabelle Lee. Um, on the Foley. Um, flick Electric, else. just click through. Can you have another click? Click through from any politics page on the spinoff and you'll get there. Fuck, I'm so multi-talented. Um, Annabelle Lee Mather is multi-talented. She's just uh, commenced a new series of The Hui. Yes. On TV3. Mm-hmm. Three, when it's on air and not there's no power cut. Um, on Should have been on Flick Electric. Sunday morning. Oh, nice. That is so good. <laughs> Thanks, I work in PR. Um, <laughs> uh, who is on Sunday mornings at? 9.30am. 9.30am. Not to be missed. Um, but if you do, you can watch TV. the repeat on Monday evening after News Hub late. Um, it's sexier when it's later. Flick Electric powered television. Mm-hmm. How's that been? Any jobs going at... Um, where is it you work? Exceltia? Oh, right. No, I think I could get into a bit of PR. Just, it's, there's, there's always a place for good people like you. Um, ben Thomas, what have you been up to? Who are you shilling for lately? I'm, uh, well, I'm, I'm, what I've been dedicating my efforts to right now is um, fortifying my body, i.e. my temple, mm. against the onslaught of coronavirus. Um, I'm mm-hmm. on day two of non-smoking. Oh, in order to to bolster my body's immune system mm. for the upcoming winter, mm-hmm. and also to avoid the public suspicion that comes with having a hacking cough right now in public, mm. oh. he's also listeners. Ben is currently in a large uh, plastic bubble, a bit like the Bubble Boy oh. from that episode of Seinfeld. Mm. Remember that, mm-hmm. Bells? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you? He, he's looking good in there, don't you think? Safety first, everybody. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Alice Webladol, who's on the uh, tools for us. Is that what you say? She's producing this podcast, and we thank her for it. On the decks. Um, that that's good. Yeah, that sounds. Well, she'll probably uh, drop some beats soon. Mm-hmm. How has the political response to COVID nineteen been as we speak? A third case has been confirmed. Uh, I think we're still waiting for to find out whether or not. 
the partner of the 30-something woman who returned from Northern Italy will test positive too. There's a reasonably high likelihood he will as he was showing symptoms, so it may be four by the time you hear this. Who knows? That's kind of feels like we're on a track towards... Um, pandemonium. We are not on a track towards pandemonium. The New Zealand Herald... <laughs> got a little bit overexcited on the weekend and went with pandemonium on the front page to be and honest, World I'm War Five on the you, front you, page of his business. But do you get it? It's a pun section. because like, it's like a and pandemic and it's also the end of society uh, as we know it. It's not a so pun if it's... No, never mind. Uh, to be honest, I thought a lot of those queues were for the 50 million lotto ticket. People lining up to buy the lotto ticket. <laughs> I think we confused... It was the only out. paper available. They were like, I want, I want 50 tickets. <laughs> 50 tickets to stack by my loo. I feel, like, I, I, feel like, I feel like this all fits into a Dan Brown novel somewhere with the number 19 on the bonus ball or some shit. Um, how's the response been, Ben? Proportionate? Appropriate? Yeah, sensible. Although it occurred to me the other day that I didn't know what the symptoms of coronavirus were. Uh, hacking cough? Yeah, hacking cough, fever, um, hanging out in a bubble. <laughs> no, that's that's a symptom of someone who definitely doesn't have the coronavirus. Um, that's that's interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, and so so there was a lot of what what I saw was a lot of disinformation, a lot of debunking mm-hmm. um, from from good news sources like the spinoff. A lot of debunking, but not enough bunking. Uh, no, mm. yeah, I, I, and look, that's my fault. I didn't, I didn't go to the Ministry of Health website or anything, um, because you know I like to think I'm a, I'm a heavy, unhealthily heavy news consumer, and um, and I still thought that people who were sort of sneezing were, you know, a big coronavirus vector. So I've, I've ended a lot of friendships unnecessarily in this period of ignorance. And what, what are the symptoms to look out for? Well, isn't isn't it like hacking cough and high fever and having been to northern Italy recently? Well, yeah, risk factors are having been to northern Italy. If somebody has a hacking cough and then goes, "Mamma mia," probably <laughs> then you might want to get a test done well, if you've been in contact with that person. Um, I'd like to apologise to the Italian community for that stereotyping. Um, um, let's not go to Iran and um, Iran. Uh, Bells, what do you reckon? Uh, um, there's been some criticism on on the spin-off yesterday Susie Wiles who's um kind of far and away the outstanding communicator on this microbiologist um criticized Simon Bridges for some of his response um uh, I, I, I it seems to me he's toned it down a bit just cuz you're the 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 leader of the opposition doesn't mean you always have to oppose yeah. particularly when it's sensible advice advice meant to protect our yeah. communities yeah. It's it's a tricky one, right? Because that's his job is to hold his job as leader of the opposition is to hold the government to account, and that means um, that there is almost a kind of reflexive uh, critique. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's okay to criticise, say, Trump's seemingly pretty hopeless management of it. So why isn't it? I mean. Isn't it okay to just criticise the Prime Minister, or is there a different set of rules that apply at a public emergency? I'm not. Look, I'm no public health expert, so I'm not. It's not clear to me how they could agree to disagree. This but carry on. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that you know, closing the borders to China. I mean, some people would say that was an overreaction. Most people think it's a proportionate response. Um, 
you know, at that point, you know, well, you know, what what do we do? Do we close the border to, you know, every country in the world? Do we just go into a bunker for three years and then re-emerge and see what's happened in 2023? There was a poll reported on stuff this morning by a polling company that I didn't recognise, um, in which it found that more than half of those surveyed felt that we should shut our borders to pretty much everywhere, to everywhere that had had cases of COVID-19, which would yep. be quite cool, like to shut our borders to Australia and the United um, States. So, yeah, it is. There is there is a balance to be found somewhere, right? Like you go, oh, public health emergency, let's just shut the borders completely. And then you might create one or two Yeah, I mean, look, we, we don't... In doing so. I, I mean, yeah, you could be forgiven for thinking that people are dropping dead of coronavirus in the streets as we speak. Um, right now, it's still pretty contained. You know, we have, mm. we have four, or it seems to be contained at mm-hmm. any rate. Um, in terms of the the more, you know, I think the, it's pretty clear the most the most valuable steps the government can take are public education campaigns mm. to make sure that everyone's sensible. I mean. Stemming the spread of this virus you know, is 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 not going to require much more of a sacrifice than people being sensible, you know, washing their hands, not sneezing on other people. Um, you know, you you know, not, nothing's determined. You can't you can't stop these things. You know, they're germs. You can't just pass a law against them. Um, but in terms of its other responses, you know, the government is looking at um, you know the ways of dealing with people whose jobs are affected, um, particularly in forestry. There's been a lot of you know, obviously, our exports have been hit by this because borders. We aren't the only people closing our borders. We aren't the only people shutting down uh, work sites. So it's hitting people in the regions pretty hard. Um, Phil Twyford has announced that they'll they'll have some kind of scheme to potentially um, relocate people um, into government jobs. Mm. You know, for the duration of the crisis. Um, so this is like taking forestry workers in the middle of the North Island and then putting them to work clearing paths on dock land in the South Island, which is a pretty good Keynesian response to. You know the, glo- the the economic slowdown, which is anticipated as a result of coronavirus. You know, th- this is a little different from a normal threatened recession, in the sense that, you know, the coronavirus actually does affect capacity quite a lot. Um, you know, because you don't really want big labour camps full of <laughs> hundreds of people living in tents together. You know, during during a possible pandemic. Um, so. It, you know, it, it's not just a matter of pumping money into things, but where the government can make a difference on that. So one of the other things they've uh, signalled is that they're going to relax the uh, stand-down period for people who lose their jobs as a result of the crisis. So, you know, they don't have to wait two weeks before they get the dole. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, these are pretty sensible short-term mm. measures. Yeah. I mean, there was even there was even um, some discussion this morning about possible wage relief um, that wasn't ruled out by the finance minister. Um, the Grant Robertson has been working pretty hard to try and um, ameliorate, or at least to 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 communicate with the business community that things are under control. There was, um, I went to a a um, Auckland business chamber lunch last week where Robertson was um, laying out the different scenarios and what they'd mean and um, there were questions about whether or not businesses had been consulted enough especially I guess Annabelle the two big ones 
When you consider um, our economic links with China, uh, uh, education mm. um, and the tertiary sector, especially, um, the, the, I, um, the, there are thousands, literally thousands, of, of students who aren't able to um, start their courses in New Zealand. Mm. And then, of course, tourism. You know, when um, Chinese tourism is just such a big part of the New Zealand economy, um, and then on top of which there are all the little details. Like I have a, a friend who I had dinner with the other night who runs a shop in Wellington and the shop is moving from one premises to another but they can't open the new premises until they get the refrigeration equipment that is sitting on a dock somewhere in China waiting to and so mm-hmm. all of these knock-on things and supply chains it it has a real has a real world real world impact right that on does. on on on, on on little New Zealand. It does, and not just in terms of business and stuff, but culturally as well. Like I've, I went to, I know that it, the advice has come out that Māori should refrain from hongiing mm. um, during hui, but I went to a hui last night and um, and everyone did hongi and um, afterwards I was talking to one of the kaumatua and, um, you know, he talked about how he talked about that advice and how it just did not feel right mm. for them to follow it. Um, equally, I've seen people on um, Twitter saying that our tikanga has to evolve and move with the times and the decision not to hongi is a tough one but a brave one. And, yeah, it's... Um, I, I do... I'm a little bit frustrated. I think the advice about wash your hands and don't be racist is a really good starting point. But um, but I'm also a little bit frustrated by some of the co- commentary around it, you know, in terms of, oh, don't overreact, it's really not a big deal, it's not mm. much worse than a cold. But for te iwi Māori who do hongi, um, who do tend to have lots of people in confined spaces, for people who share... Um, cars with their loved ones as a as a as their residence mm. for people who you know gather at Marae, um it, it is a little bit more serious, and I do think that we can't afford to be too blasé about it. I'm also aware too that you know Aotearoa we hold a special position of being the gateway to the rest of the Pacific, and I am really concerned about, you know, we've just had the measles rip through Samoa, yeah. and I'm like, holy, what happens if it if it gets over there? So I do think that that we can't be too dismissive of the effects of coronavirus and that we do have to be mindful of our most vulnerable communities. Oh, I mean, it's certainly serious. I mean, imagine if one out of, you know, every 25 people or... 30 people that you knew died when they got the cold, uh, the mm, flu that's right. each year. I mean, so, you know, it's certainly not a trivial challenge. I mean, the real, the real, um, you know, bad sign, you know, for, for the coronavirus from, you know, despite, I think the, the Herald probably overhyped it a little, but, oh. you know, people have been going a little crazy in some of the supermarkets. Mm. Um, you see it in Australia yeah. as well. Yeah. Panic buying toilet paper for some reason. Like who, what, do most people only buy two rolls a week and just sort of try and get by? This is, you know. Um, I, think sh- I feel like that's a place where there probably should have been a bit more messaging too about panic buying because I think it was Susie that said, you know, that actually panic buying makes things worse for our most vulnerable communities mm. because when totally. they need... 
you know, totally. the hand sanitizer and all of that, there's none left because all the panic merchants yeah. have gone in and swept all, everything. All up, disasters right? always hit the poorest hardest, and and this is not a great sign for how we're going to deal with the climate apocalypse mm. when it happens. Um, if people's immediate reaction is to start hoarding goods and sort of, you know, and 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 you know, going out and going out and buying a thousand face masks rather than just washing their hands thoroughly, you know, it seems that um, it seems that you know adaptation is not quite as easy as you know climate skeptics have always suggested that it speaking, might be. Speaking of the climate apocalypse, Scott Morrison. Uh, he was uh, speaking alongside Jacinda Ardern at the end of last week in Sydney um, and uh, he had a very interesting look on his face as he was chastised in, in terms that we're not particularly used to seeing by Ardern over, uh, first of all, the the different rights accorded to New Zealand residents in Australia, but then also the uh, deportation policy with it. She came up with, she said that the policy was corrosive to the relationship and that uh, they should not deport their problems as a a country. Um, And it was, I mean, I, I, I was watching it thinking that we'd get the sort of normal kind of Slightly diplomatic, slightly coded, but you know, mm. you know, she's been, you know, politicians of all stripes have been been clear on this, but yeah. it it felt like it went up a gear. She to me gave them both barrels. Yeah, she gave them both barrels. I could, I, I think what she said was right on, and um, and it's a a message that perhaps we should have been delivering, um, earlier. I know the last government was reluctant to, and and obviously this government too has tried to rely on diplomacy and our ANZAC relationship and, you know, their soft skills to try and fix what's happening. But obviously um, that's had zero effect. I thought what she said was great. I couldn't help but wonder, given the criticism she was facing at home about letting Winston off the hook around the donations, the photography, all of that, if she felt like she needed to flex to show us that she she can be um, stroppy and talk the hard talk when she needs to. Sorry about that. <laughs> Alex Casey from The Real Pod here. And this is Duncan from The Real Pod. We're here to, to tell you that as well as enjoying this podcast, you should also listen to ours. It's a reality television and real life in New Zealand podcast recorded every week. It's 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 relevant. It's not relevant. <laughs> it's crazy. It's real. It's raw. It's three mates having a nice time and talking about the television. If you like popular culture, if you like celebrities, if you like reality TV, or if, even if you hate it all, have a listen. You might be surprised. Yeah, definitely. If you hate it all, if you hate us, well, lots then, of ammo. It might be an issue. Lots Any- of ammo. The spinoff.co.nz search real pod, you might have a nice time. Maybe. There had been clearly 
some questions raised by various commentators and opposition politicians about the strength of Ardern's leadership. And so a cynical reading of that that um, set piece in Sydney was that it was an expression of leadership and a shifting of the subject. Ben, how cynical are you? Are you going to give us a savvy political take on this? Well, I think there's three things that three demonstrates. Things. Yeah, it's, um, should we go and grab a? Should we go have a coffee? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> go on. Go on. I'll, I'll send, I'll send Alice down to get you like midway through point number two. No, um, I mean the first thing is it shows a coarsening of diplomatic dialogue that I think you can probably trace directly back to the election of Donald Trump. Mm. Um, I used to deal with him fat occasionally for announcements when I worked in Parliament, and every. Every sentence was sort of so sanded off Mm -hmm. and rounded down as to be, in my view, meaningless. But but a blob of cordial. Yeah, but but according to the diplomats, was sort of pregnant with meaning and force and nuance. Yes, we have Um, never used a comma in this fashion before. Yeah, this is um, not the time for exclamation marks. And now an exclamation mark is a declaration of war, right? Mm-hmm. And and whereas now, you know, thanks to thanks to basically almost a threatening war over tweets and things, in order probably to make a point, you actually have to use real person language now. Mm. Um, second thing, this plays well probably for Ardern and Morrison will probably both be pretty happy with how the press conference went. She got to stand up for the rights of New Zealanders and for her principles. Morrison got to give a firm, you know, no thank you to um, New Zealand's demands. You know, just quickly on that, I, I mean, that's become like the savvy commentary that oh, it works for both of them. It's all preordained everywhere. You know, I don't. I mean, like maybe, but I, I'm just, I'm just a guy looking at a screen, looking at another guy with a face that is kind of crumpled. And he just wasn't enjoying that. Like maybe, obviously, it was. Um, discussed in advance, and I'm going to say some things that are quite, you know, and it's yeah. like, yes, Pointed. we understand that. I don't think he enjoyed that. Is it good for him? Maybe he got to reassert their policy and their position, but I don't think he enjoyed being publicly dressed down by the uh, I, I that agree, is my Tobe. I think she gave him a good kick in the balls, and I don't think he appreciated it. Yeah, look, I, I think that it was better for her than it was for him. Yeah, but definitely. remember, they're appealing to two different audiences. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then the third thing is, yeah, it's you know, this this was a time. This was at a time when um, she was looking particularly weak, and is still looking mm. particularly weak in her dealings with. Um, Winston, this is when she was looking particularly weak in her dealings with Winston Peters over mm. the New Zealand First Foundation, basically turning a blind eye, saying it's no business of mine whether my deputy prime minister's party is being investigated by the serious fraud office. Mm. You know why would that ever come up in our conversations? <laughs> you know, we're both busy people, um, and. Then you know, then then she's she's the big tough guy with you know Morrison. Then she comes back home. Shane Jones starts sounding off about Indians. She's asked whether it's racist. She's like, well, you know, let's let's not get, let's not label this. And then they say, you're going to talk to Shane Jones about it. And she's like, I will air my disagreement with him. <laughs> hey, can I just say about the Australian stuff? I mean, we talk a lot of shit about Winston Peters on this podcast, and rightly so, but. His caught it all last week. Now and then, you know, just when you think oh, he pulls it out, did you see his comments? No. 
Oh, uh, he um. He he, bl- he put Dutton on blast. He put him on blast. Oh, I missed that. What he, did he say? He said, um, you know, a, your your citizen came over and um, a, a, and committed one of the worst atrocities ever to happen oh, on our shores. Oh. And he said, and you, did, not, you didn't uh, hear us complaining. You didn't, you didn't <laughs> hear I mean, That's country. the allegation that is made, and, and there would be a court case to determine that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, didn't hear our, you didn't hear our citizens, you know, complaining about Australia. All um, we're asking is that you treat us fairly. Um, Peter Dutton, hard to, hard to like him. I think it's fair to say, like if I, I when you know when you saw him having a go at Jacinda Ardern, you think that again, like who does that work for? It's kind of, you know, happy birthday, Peter Dutton is having a go. You mentioned Shane Jones, Ben, um, who uh, made life difficult again for Jacinda Ardern. Meanwhile, was Winston Peters caught it or almost at the same time in India was. Um, bigging up the relationship, including by reference to the education links between the two countries. It does, I mean, I don't know. It, 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 and b- both Shane Jones, who doubled down on it, by the way, after Jacinda yes. Ardern mm-hmm. said, <coughs> said that she'd be talking to him and that it wasn't acceptable, he's like, fuck that, basically. I will say what I like. He said it's election year. Jacinda Ardern said, it's election year, in her comments. They both said that phrase, which is a bit like, guys, get used to it. There's, there's going to be more of this, right? That's just that's mm. just what we've got now. And it's sort of, I don't know. I find, it's I like, find the whole idea give nothing exhausting. to racism unless it's election unless it's year. Election. And we then you can give out, a little bit. Just a little just carve a little out little bit on the, um, the racism <laughs> point. <Yeah. laughs> um, it's what's going to happen, right? It's what, that's the year. Yeah. That people gonna, I don't know. I keep every every press release that comes from the Greens or the New Zealand First now has an obligatory in the subject header. It's a win for you know the whole word is a win. Yeah. They've got to get a win. They've got to get notice. They've got to do what they've got to do. I thought what was funny about Jones and Winston when they justified it was that these are the comments that have been made by the Indian community oh, yeah, themselves. Right. It's like, yes, and the, right. the, the, the critical that's factor right. here is that it's Indi- they're Indians and you guys aren't. Also, and, small difference, but, but important. Also, also, I watched that interview. There was absolutely no... It was about how people from India are ruining our universities mm. and people from New Delhi. And it was just sort of cropped out. It's, it's like he'd plucked that out. I don't know why he plucked that one out, whether he'd thought it through or whether it was just because he knew the boss was in India and so it was in his... But it wasn't in any way a suggestion about internecine immigrant communities and their issues. It wasn't even close to that. I mean, that's just complete balderdash. No, that's right. I, I mean, I think he was referring to the private tertiary... Um, what are they called? Private training enterprises, whatever the PTEs. Yeah, um, which are a sham. Most yeah. of them, well, there have by, been, by and large, there have been a lot of the, the scandals vast, around. The vast majority yeah. of the sector is a scam, and it only varies in whether it's a scam perpetrated against immigration New Zealand or against the students themselves. Sure, but it's but these things started off as shams um, in the education reforms, and they, you know, it's certainly not 
a case of Indian students came over and ruined these wonderful institutions mm. of English language and golf yeah. that were, you know, <laughs> charging yeah. $8,000 yeah. a semester, yeah. That, yeah. you know. Um, so, I mean, it, it look, it was racist, it was inflammatory, and cuts against everything that the Prime Minister's branding stands for. Um, but this government, or the Labour Party, seems so terrified by the prospect that New Zealand first will force them to have an election before their their budget uh, election year budget, that they seem willing to completely rewrite the cabinet manual. Mm. But Jacinda Ardern has basically said that anything that is done by a member of another party is none of her business as prime minister. She said that Shane Jones is is in another party, and so she can't discipline him as a minister. She can't call him into talk to him about his conduct. She can't, you know, she certainly can't give him orders as a minister in her cabinet. Um, and it's 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 incredible because the PM is the only asset that the Labour Party have to take into this election. They don't have a record of success to run on with Kiwi Build, with the trams which are now, you know, a million years away. Um, the, you know, they've built a few social houses that's like, that are, and, and they uh, had their mini budget, you know, almost two and a half years ago now, which was, um, you know, which which raised various benefits and, and implemented the winter um, winter electricity allowance. But apart from that, you know, all they have to run on is the fact that the public really likes the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. They like her because she's kind, because she's got integrity. Um, and these are all things that are being chipped away by her partner, New Zealand First. Now, New Zealand First are screwed in this election right now. Their, you know, public polling has them at about 3%. They have been ruled out by National. Last time they were ruled out by National, they didn't make five. Um, they're surrounded by scandal. New Zealand First are basically dead, and they're asking Labour to pay for the funeral. Oh. Interesting. Or the, for the exhumation? That <laughs> the, I wondered. What I did find a little bit ironic, though, was when... Simon came out and and called Jacinda out for not calling out Shane Jones because mm. last week one of his own ministers called a mongrel mob figure no. Mark Mitch, Mark Mitchell called um, Sunny I think he was meant to refer to Sunny Fatu but he called him Sunny Toe because you know all 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 old brown Maori guys all look alike. Um, while Sonny is Sonny Toe may be no angel he is not a leading figure within the mongrel mob so it's like mm. I don't know not, if you guys have a lot of moral high ground there to Sonny, stand Sonny on Sonny Toe's not been terribly visible in the, in the, in the headlines lately though either mm, no, no. For, um, former former chairman of former Tadunara, chairman yeah. of Onapui uh, we're not going to get into the whole gang stuff today we'll do that another time I just briefly a thought is there a, which I've been wondering about for a while, maybe it's crazy, is there some way in which it would work for both New Zealand First and the Labour Party for Jacinda Ardern to fire Shane Jones from Cabinet? I mean, I can see the issues with that. Like, obviously, it suggests disarray. Obviously, he's got some some announcements to make in, in, in Northland within government. So there's all that. I can see that. So it would have to be a kind of desperate state of things. But there is some way in which he would be fired. Um, Winston Peters would be appalled, but for the stability of the country would carry on. Then from semi-outside the tent, Shane could go on a 
anti-government rampage, turn it, ratchet it up on immigration, everything like that. I mean, does it really need to be that extreme? Can't she just say, I've called him into my office and I've told him to stop being a dick? No, because he'll just... And he's gonna. He's told me he's not going to be a dick. Whether or not he actually stops being a dick is another thing, but I've asked him. It's just, I mean, in terms of that chipping away, every time that Jacinda Ardern says, I've spoken to Shane Jones, it's completely, and then he goes, nee. <laughs> well, that, I wouldn't And graffiti's have thought, all over her front gate, mm. you know? I wouldn't have thought it was beyond their ken to do just what the diplomats do and completely choreograph it. Um, so that he can just keep pushing mm. later on, you know. He, she she says, you know, yes, I've I've given him a stir. She she says, yes, I've talked to him. Briefs journalists on the back on background that actually she really ripped shreds off him. Yeah. Yeah. Then in public, you know, he he's he's defiant but chastened, mm. um, and then he does it again in another month or whatever, right? And. I mean, you know, if you wanted to be cynical, that's that's how it would work better. But the, having the Prime Minister stand up and say, well, I haven't talked to him about it. I Look, I will talk to him. I'll tell him that I disagree with his statements personally, and I'll ask him to reconsider his views, makes her sound like a little weaky. It makes her sound like just somebody who has no control over their situation. Um, and, you know, elections are about leadership. You know, we see that in the states, right? You know, you can have all, you can have as good a campaign as you want. You can spend five hundred million dollars, but if you don't, if 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 the public isn't buying what you're selling, then you know you're in trouble. This this campaign, it's it's going to be a horse race between national and labor, basically for poll position. No, sorry, it's a mixed metaphor. Um, and no, they have a they have a um, in the car racing. You have a race to see who gets pole position, so that's yeah. fine. But he said a, horse, said a race. horse race. Oh no, yeah. that's terrible. I fucked it up. Yeah, that sucks. Just let's start the whole pod again. Um, Go from the top, Alice. Yeah. In the American election, we're going to spend the next hour and a half <laughs> talking about the American election. <laughs> With it, now that it's now that it's the Democratic primary, it's Biden versus what's the other guy's name, Sanders. I just had a look before, and the. The the last time there was a Democratic nominee that was born before them was Michael Dukakis in 1988. <laughs> That's how fucking old they are. Yeah, try just they're so old that this is the the good news for the Democrats is that they will not have a baby boomer <laughs> candidate for the presidency because they're too old to be baby boomers. They're too old. What do you call the generation before boomers? They call them the silent generation, I believe. God, I think I that was kind of good. retroactively applied a bit. And then the <laughs> generation before that are called the golden generation. The golden. The golden generation, which is pretty cool. And that's fine because if you're still around, you can you get to be. So, speaking of age spe- speaking of and respect, people. respect for um, our elders, you've got a fire in your belly, in your plastic bubble – Ben Thomas about superannuation. I mean, Radio New Zealand had a story last week, um, fantastic story, which revealed that last year the number of over 65s who were claiming the universal superannuation allowance, which is about 19, 20 grand a year, um, who were at the same time earning over $100,000 of taxable income in the same year had reached 30,000 people. Right, that's a full rugby stadium. <laughs> that it costs five hundred million dollars at least each year to give 
over 65s who are already in the top 10% of all income earners in the country. This is individuals. We're not talking about a broad generational thing. We're talking about rich individuals are getting half a billion dollars. That's a, With that money, you could give every person on the sole parent benefit a 10 grand increase per year. Um, the people whom, it's been pointed out, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, leave me alone, uh, who will pay that amount of money in tax? In order, the, by virtue of the fact that they're earning more than 100k, they're paying that money in tax. Well, sure, but so are people who are earning 100k and not getting $20,000 in superannuation. That's true. But I, mean, you, the, I mean, I mean, the, the, a way of looking at it is they're getting a tax break for being old. Uh, it's No, it's not. No, that would be a fake argument in the same way that um, <laughs> because it's just an extra $20,000. Now, whether they get taxed on it or not, you know, it's, you, you, can, you can sort of – you can tag the money whatever way you like, but what? Yeah, what? What? what it's it's not a tax break. It's just. I mean, it would it's be a just tax a, break on the hundred k. It's that just. A it's just. It's just a yeah. It's just and a lump gonna, of money gonna, for you being you an you old person. You're going to stick up for uh, senior citizens, or are you no, too? Fuck them. <laughs> this is. I mean, this I, I would be happy for that money to go to our our elderly poor, of which there are plenty. Um, you know, like a. There's old people doing it tough on the benefit, but not the ones earning 100k plus already. I would much rather see that money dispersed amongst um, our oldies doing it tough and our solo parents and their tamariki. I mean, if you want to alleviate child poverty, here's a glaring example of where you could do something. Yeah, Very easily. It's not that fucking complicated. That's right. I, 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 Shame on you, boomers. We, well, whenever, other, whenever you get other, into the, the weeds with argument, the nerds on Twitter. The other, we, we, we don't want to go on for okay. too long. The other argument is that this is a – why get stuck into a universal benefit? A universal benefit is a good idea. Here we have a effective pilot program for a UBI – it should be a that universality is a good t- good good idea. Once you start trying to means test things, it just becomes awfully complicated. Lawyers make a lot of money. Accountants make a lot of money. Why not introduce universality in the form of a UBI? One really quick thought on that from each of you, because it's a really simple subject. <laughs> if you want a high, a, you know, steeply progressive increased taxation for the rich system, then you can have that. That's a separate question from. You know, given the myriad, impossibly innumerable demands on government spending, to make an active decision that we're going to give half a billion dollars to wealthy old people. People say, oh, well, universality is a good thing. We should have a UBI. We should have more generous welfare payments. This is the first step. It's not the first step. How many of those $100,000 a year plus, two and a half thousand of whom are on 300 grand a year and still claiming universal super, how many of those people do you think actually vote in each election for higher welfare payments Mm. or for universal education? Baby boomers only want benefits for themselves. There is no first step. There is just entrenching the benefit of this greedy vampire class of people in our society. Outrageous they will generalization. Not, they will Outrageous not, generalization. The only thing that will stop them using their free Waiheke Island gold the for card fares is a coronavirus outbreak. Every night from I have never loved you more than I do wait. right now. Can I just um, uh, say one thing before this? Before Ben completely bursts out of his bubble and starts oozing, separating from it's every orifice. It's all steamy in there. I can't even see him. Pussy COVID nineteen <laughs> froth. Spend my super 
is a um, something that a friend of the spin-off has started recently, and it's a system by where if you if you do earn a lot of money and don't need your super, you can instead put it towards a very good charity like oh Child God, Poverty Action Group. Cool. Check it out. Spend my super. Um, we did it. There was a partner piece on the spin-off. Have a look at that. It's a good idea. I love that. Should um, be at least 30,000 new sign-ups in the next week. Thanks, Annabelle. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Alice. Oh, join spin-off members too. It's cool. Bye. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.